about a month ago, I ran into Pastor Ron um, outside of the walls. And he said, hey, James, anytime you want me to come and preach, I love doing it and I'm more than willing. And I thought, well, I don't have to be gone for that to happen. So this morning we get the, uh, we get the treat of having Pastor Ron come and share. And uh, before he comes up, I'd like to invite the kids that are going to be going to Children's Church to come on up. Uh, we will pray for Peterson and Daphne, and then you guys will follow me out. Okay, so kids, if you're going to be leaving for Children's Church, come on up. You know, as they're coming up, I'm going to pray, and then they can just follow me, and I'll turn it over to Ron. Lord God, thank you so much that we get a chance to partner with, uh, with kids like Daphne and Peterson. Um, I thank you for the opportunity we have to teach our kids uh, about a world bigger than our own. I continue to pray for uh, the, the country, for Haiti, as they're uh, still reeling from the hurricane. And I pray for a quick recovery, and I pray that people who know and love you would be the hands and feet of you in that country. I pray, Father, for our time in the Word this morning with Pastor Ron. Uh, may we hear from you, and I pray for the kids' time downstairs. And may they also hear from you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It is always great for um, Barbara and I to be here. We appreciate every opportunity when we get invited so we have an excuse to come here. We need this. We appreciate you all. Uh, James said I could talk about anything I'm going to talk about. So uh, I'm assuming that everybody here has a TV at home. Uh, if you don't have a TV, you probably have a radio and you probably play it periodically or in the car. And if you don't have that, maybe you get the newspaper and you read the newspaper, or even worse than that, maybe you go online. But no matter what you do, there is no question in my mind that you and I are bombarded every single day that we live with fear. So I thought I'd give you a couple illustrations. Uh, let's start with this one, the Winter Weather Advisory. Uh, we are already being told that if we have a wet October, we are going to have a very snowy winter. So get ready, get your snow blowers out, get your shovels out, and you could have a heart attack while you're out there snowing. It's going to come. It's going to be very, very bad. And we just went through. You know, last night the wind was 50 miles an hour. Oh, no, oh, no, it didn't quite make that. But, you know, they said it was going to be. We, the weather is just great. We just hear a lot about that. You're not going to have any electricity. It's all going to go off because the wind are going to blow down the trees around your house. But if it's not the weather, then it's sickness. This summer, we were all told, you got to watch out for Zika. I mean, there, you, the mosquitoes are out there coming even into Spokane. You're going to get bit by this thing. You're going to have this for life, you know. You're going to be just struggling with this. And if it's not that, because now we don't have to worry about that anymore, now you've got to get your flu shot. You've just got to go out and get a flu shot. If you don't get a flu shot, you're going to get sick. You might die. And while you're getting a flu shot, you might as well get that pneumonia Preva 13 shot. That way you won't get sick and die. And, oh, by the way, get a shingles shot, too, because if you get shingles, one out of three people get shingles, if you're old especially, and it's going to just be crippling for you. And if you don't have to have sickness, then we have terror. 
We have terror in all kinds of forms. Some crazy person who takes a gun and goes out and shoots people to nations around the world who decide they want to go to war with one another. And somehow our soldiers or other peoples get sucked into all of this. There, there are bad things happening all around the world through terror. And, and then there are all the disasters you know, we could have drought here, just like you have in California. In California, they haven't had any water for years and years and years. They're running out of water. There's drought. And if there's drought, the next thing that happens is there's forest fires. And forest fires can come burn your house down. I mean, we're bombarded with all this stuff. And then, of course, there is the accident. Any day now, especially you older folks, you could trip and fall. So you got to get one of those things so that if you fall, you can call the company and tell them to come and get me because I just fell. And you got to be careful at night because you can't see too well. You might drive into a tree. You, 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 you could have a terrible accident. And, and if that's not enough, well, then, I mean, it could be that somebody just T-bones you as you cross through one of those unmarked nonstop signs. Terrible things. And then there's the economy. Oh, my, the economy. We hear all about the economy. Collapses all over. British, the British pound is going down. Every day it goes down. It's getting worse and worse. Europe may collapse. The whole economic system. Greece is already failing. It's going to come here. You know you got to go buy gold. you got to go buy gold and silver. You can't listen to the radio or watch any TV and not be told. You've got to have gold and silver because the economy is about to fail. And if that's not enough, you're going to get hacked and they're going to steal your passwords and they're going to steal your, your network system and everything's going to be out of the... I mean, it's just miserable. If you listen to anything today, you should be afraid because terrible, terrible things are going to happen. We are told this all the time. So I thought it would be work out well if I shared with you what Jesus had to say about fear. And I, I love these passages where Jesus speaks. And you have an outline this morning. It won't be up on the screen. We're going to just go black here. But we want to see what Jesus had to say. And in this outline, what Jesus had to say is in italics. So if you want to take that out, we're going to look at this. And I, I want to share with you at least three places where Jesus seemed to refer to this whole idea of fear that comes into our life. And then I want to have a little time of you thinking through, then how do I deal with this? So uh, here's just for to start. This is what Jesus had to say about fear in general. And I, I listed just a portion of these, but it doesn't take long to catch on what Jesus had to say about fear. He said to them, do not be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Therefore, do not be anxious. Same thing as fear. And he said to them, why are you afraid? So have no fear and do not fear and do not be afraid. Have no fear. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Do not be anxious. Do you need any more? Jesus' view on fear is don't. Okay, now that's real nice to be told that. So 
So let's take a look at some of the circumstances that people found themselves in that may be similar to our circumstances and why Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Here's the first one from John chapter 6, verse 19. And this all falls under the category that we usually tend to have fear when we don't know what's going to happen. When the unknown is around us, that's when fear begins. So here's the first instant Jesus walks on the water in John 6, 19. They had rowed about three or four miles, and they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. Now look, folks, if I was in the boat, I'd be scared to death. I have never seen anybody walk on water. I don't know what that means. I don't know how you figure that out. This is something totally unfamiliar to me and to them. And there's no wonder that they are frightened. And what does Jesus say to them? It's I. Do not be afraid. Tell you another time. Here is Jesus being transfigured. Do you remember this story when Jesus goes out with a couple of his disciples and he is transfigured before them. He, Matthew 17, he was still speaking with them when a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard it, they did the same thing that you would have done or I would have done. They fell on their faces and they were terrified. Come on. What is this? A bright cloud, something, is this God in my presence? If you see God, you're about to die. This is it. This is the end. They are scared to death. And Jesus said to them, rise, have no fear. Then you get this story about Jesus who is going to leave them. And he's telling his disciples he's going away. In John chapter 14, verse 2 and verse 5. In verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? This is confusing to us. Nobody, this is not what we expect. We're looking for a Messiah who's going to be a king here on earth. What, what is this all about? And they're afraid. Jesus said to them in John 14, 2, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Constantly, Jesus is telling them, when you don't understand, when things are happening around you that you've never had happen before, you don't need to worry about this. Don't be afraid. Final one. The resurrection of Jesus. You love this one? The women come to the tomb and they find no dead body, only an angel. Matthew 28, 8. They departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And they ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them saying greetings. And they came and they took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. You would have been petrified to see the resurrected Jesus. A person can't die and come back from the dead. This is impossible. And we tend to be afraid of things we don't understand, of things that we have never seen before. And Jesus keeps saying, don't be afraid. So a little practical story from my own long life. Some friends of ours invited us when I was pastoring a church in New Mexico to move to Honolulu, Hawaii and pastor 
the first Chinese church in Honolulu. Now there is something tempting about moving to Honolulu, Hawaii when New Mexico is in the midst of a great snowstorm. And I said, well, I would consider that. And so we went there and this church who had never had a pastor who did not speak Chinese said, well, we would like to invite you to come and be the pastor. Okay, how bad can this be? <laughs> so we moved with a senior in high school down the line to a newborn who was five years old. Four sons. Took them all to Honolulu, Hawaii to live. Before we went, I asked some people who knew about the church, who had been there. One man had worked there. And I said, what do you think? And he said, you don't do that. <laughs> but what could be so hard? So we moved there. We were the only non-Chinese people in the church. There were a thousand of them. In the beginning, we couldn't even tell them apart. <laughs> and they, they put us up in a house that was a, belonged to the church, and it was filled with cockroaches. And we said, you know, we would prefer not to live here. Can we just rent a place somewhere? So we put our kids into school. And our kids faced this situation of being a minority. And they didn't like school. Fortunately, the oldest one played football for the school that he went to in, outside of Honolulu and Hawaii Kai. And the football team said, listen, we got your back, so you don't have to worry about anything. But the rest of the kids, they had a hard time. This is the first time in my life I ever knew what it was to be a minority. This was strange. This was very different. We moved into a house that was filled with mosquitoes. We couldn't get rid of the mosquitoes. We couldn't even get home. The, the highway was so crowded. If I left church in time to go home, I could never get back in the evening. When we had to, it was just awful living there. And my wife and I looked at each other and we said, what have we gotten ourselves into? What do we do now? This is unknown to us. You know, we finally resigned after a year and, and they graciously let us go. And we can look back on that and say, boy, that was a total failure. Except, you know what? Had we not gone through those experiences, we never would have moved to Haiti. Had we not gone through those experiences, we'd have never lived cross-culturally in Hungary. We wouldn't have had a clue what God had in mind for us. Jesus said, yeah, we're all going to face the unknown. We're all going to face things that don't seem to work out. And I have this word for you. Don't be afraid. Okay, there's a second thing that causes us fear. First one, anything that's unknown to us, anything different, we tend to be afraid of it. Here's the second one. We are fearful because there is trouble in the world. You have noticed, have you not, that there is trouble in the world. There is trouble all over the world. There are disasters in the world. There are bad people in the world. There are evil people in the world. There are wars. There is corruption. It is all over the world. So here is a word from Jesus concerning that, John 16, 33. 
I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation or trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Now, what is the world? The world, in my mind, is the secular political system under which all people live. Doesn't matter what the name of your country is, we all live in some world, some secular political system. We all live there. And from the beginning, those secular political systems in which people live have been trouble. And Jesus said, I know there's trouble in the world. Now, I just wanted to remind you that Jesus said, I'd like to tell you about the other world, the kingdom of God now. And it's open for residency. In this world in which you live, the secular political world, there's going to be trouble. So Jesus said, well, don't worry about today. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you drink, or about your body, what you'll put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, neither gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not much more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can hang a single hour to the span of life? For the Gentiles, that's the political, secular world. The Gentiles seek after all these things, but your heavenly Father, he knows that you need them all. So don't worry about today. There's trouble in the world. And don't worry about tomorrow either. There's trouble in the world. Matthew 6, 33. You seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious. Do not be afraid for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So is God going to take care of his people in this world? Or is he not? Because if he is, Jesus said, then don't be afraid. Don't be afraid today. Don't be afraid about tomorrow. The unknown, Jesus said, don't be afraid. It's okay. The trouble in the world, Jesus said, don't be afraid. It's okay. And then the third kind of a category that I think everything falls into is that we're fearful as to what's going to happen to us. As we look at the trouble in the world and as we look at these things that are unknown to us, then we start to figure what's going to happen to me, and that causes fear. It's kind of interesting getting old. Some of you are not old to do this yet, but, and I never thought I would do this, but my wife and I now have conversations like this. Well, what are we going to do when one of us dies? Never thought about that before. Do people actually talk about that? I guess they do. What will we do? How will all of this affect us? What is going to happen? I got some granddaughters right now. They're, they're struggling with getting married. You know why they struggle with getting married? Because if you get married, there's a good chance you'll get divorced. And divorce is rejection. And that, that's not an easy thing to take. 
There are people who struggle with their jobs because they're being persecuted or rejected in what they do. Maybe you're going to get old and you're going to not be able to go to work anymore. Maybe you're going to have to be in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. This is how this is all going to work out in your life and mine, and, and it causes us to fear. Maybe you're a minority and you've experienced persecution. Maybe persecution for skin color. Maybe persecution for ethnic origin. Maybe religious persecution. I still remember in high school Jerry Fortunato. Jerry Fortunato was the only kid in a high school of 6,000 people that I went to who brought a Bible to school. Every day he brought a Bible, and he publicly let it be there. He ate lunch by himself. He had no friends in that school that I know of. Imagine if you're a Christian and you live in Saudi Arabia. Or if you live somewhere else in the Middle East where it's against the law to practice your religious belief. And Jesus said, I know all these things happen to people in the world, but do not be afraid. Listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 25. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, the devil, that's what they call Jesus, then how much more will they malign those of his household? They're going to call you the devil too. So do not fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Jesus, you don't have to worry about this. doesn't matter what happens. You don't have to be afraid. Even death, Jesus said, you don't have to be afraid. Matthew 10, 28. Do not fear those who kill the body. They cannot kill your soul. Rather, fear the ones who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. And what about the loss of resources? We already read these verses, but let me read them again. You fear the loss of resource in your life, whether it's your social security payment or your bank account or anything else. Jesus said, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Don't worry about the unknown. Don't worry about the trouble in the world. Don't worry about what's going to happen to you. It's okay. So I, I thought I'd give you a little experiment here today. I always like to give people experiment. So let's just imagine that today, just before you leave here, everyone receives a gift of $500,000. Would that make you happy? $500,000 gift. This is not the slide. Turn the slide off. Okay, so suppose you get this. $500,000 cash. What will you do with it? Buy a house. Okay, that's a good idea. Uh, how many of you will put this in the bank? Part of it? Oh, I don't know if you should put it in the bank. 
because, you know, I know a friend who lived in Serbia during their times that were bad, and the government took everything out of the bank that people had in the bank. I don't know if it's a good idea to put it in a bank. Put it under your mattress, right. So a robber can come to your house and steal it from underneath your mattress, right? How about, come on, what else? You're going to put it in a big safe? Good, put it in a big safe in your basement so the robber can come in your house and put a gun to your head and say, open the safe or I'll blow your head off. What are you going to do with this $500,000? I'm going to buy a new car. I'm going to buy a new house. I'm going to buy a new boat. I'm going to buy all kinds of good things. And you know what happens to all those things? They all break. They all wear out. You know what the best thing you could do with the $500,000 is? Give it away. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Jesus said, there's fear when there's stuff we don't know about. I understand that. Don't be afraid. Jesus said, I know when when we have things that seem troublesome in the world. I, I know it causes fear. Don't be afraid. Jesus said, I know that there are things that happen to us that are bad. There's rejection and persecution and and loss. Don't be afraid. Okay, now all this is well and good to say these things, don't be afraid. Now, how do you solve the problem here? I got to tell you, it took me a long time to figure this out. So this this is a Ron Miller only here. I'll walk you through this. Let's start with the money picture again since we already had it. Okay, everybody knows this expression, there are two sides to the coin, right? So if you have a coin, there's two sides. So if you have a lot of money, there are two sides to actually money. One of the sides is a disaster side, a destructive side. Money destroys people's lives. You all know that, don't you? Money breaks up marriages, money breaks up families. Money literally can totally destroy a person. But on the other side, money can help. Money can buy food. Money can bless somebody else if you give it to them. Money can provide provision. So there are kind of two sides to money. Now I want to suggest to you that there are two sides to fear. First is the negative side of fear. That's kind of what we've been talking about, the negative side of fear. Now, I went to a source of all knowledge, the Internet, to find out what are the negative results of fear in a person's life. So this is one, one result. You ready for this? Stress. Unable to cope with our environment. Physical problems from overeating to heart failure, depression, even to suicide. Get this one, accelerated aging. Jesus said, don't be controlled by that kind of fear. Now, I want to label this fear letter D, destructive fear. Destructive fear will literally destroy us. But on the other side of the coin, there is some kind of positive 
fear. For instance, how many of you actually do get vaccinations and inoculations because of fear? You don't want to get the sickness, so you get a vaccination. How many of you have a fire extinguisher in your home or maybe even a smoke alarm? We do that because we are aware of the fact that fire could happen. So there is a positive side to fear as well. I want to call that C, fear, constructive fear. Two kinds of fear in this world. One is D, fear, that's destructive. And one is C, fear, that's constructive. So let's look at this constructive fear. First of all, constructive fear can give you a certain amount of awareness in life. Now, I would never have brought this up, but Jesus brought this up. Luke chapter 12, verse 54. Jesus said to the crowds, you ready for this story? When you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once a shower is coming and it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of earth and the sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And why do you not judge or discern for yourselves what is right? Discernment is something that is produced by constructive fear. That means you hear something and you sort it out and you weigh it and you think about it. Some people have said that's like common sense. I heard there was a windstorm coming, so I went outside this week and I took down my umbrellas that are out of my patio and put them in my garage. I was afraid, constructive fear, of what might happen. Jesus had no problem with constructive fear. As a matter of fact, I think the Apostle Paul takes this on, this whole idea of constructive fear, when he says, we ought to engage God in my decision-making process as I weigh the fears I hear about. What is it that God is trying to cause me to discern and what actions am I supposed to take? I put in here Romans 12 too. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Test that you may discern what is God's will. So there's a positive part to fear. It's constructive in our life. Don't be afraid of that. But not the destructive fear. Well, there's one more statement that goes just a little bit further. There is another kind of positive fear. I think it's something called wisdom. Listen to this story that Jesus told. The religious leaders asked him something, and in Matthew 12, 42, this is what he said. The queen of the south, queen of the south is the queen of Sheba. The queen of Sheba was a person who came to visit Solomon because Solomon was supposed to be the wisest man in the world. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. But behold, something greater and Solomon is here now. What's that mean? Jesus said there is something now greater than the wisdom of Solomon. He had discernment. 
But there is something else even greater. Psalm 111, the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1, the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 9, the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. There is a reverential, respectful fear of the living God. And I want to make the suggestion that that reverential fear of God may indeed be the antidote for destructive fear. We just came back from Seattle this weekend. There's one good thing about Seattle, and that is we have a GPS. <laughs> I don't know how to get from here to there. And I don't know how to get from here to there in life either. And I got news for you. You don't know how to get there either. Because there are going to be surprises everywhere. Hey, God knows how to get there. And here is Jesus saying, then, the wisdom is there. Greater than Sheba when she found it in Solomon. It's yours. Come and get the sea fear of the living God. I, uh, I'm holding this book because uh, the author, William Paul Young, is going to be in town in December, and I'm going to have to go hear him. So seven years ago, somebody gave me this book, so this week I read it. <laughs> uh, don't go buy this book. Not recommending the book. Maybe some of you read it. I don't know. It's called The Shack. But there is a statement in here. I just, I could not help. I just, I just had to read this to you. I don't like to read things to people. Listen to what he said. This is a conversation, supposedly made up, a conversation between a guy named Mac and God. God is personified here, Okay. So Max says, so why do I have so much fear in my life? And God says, because you don't believe. You don't believe that we, Father, Son, and Spirit, love you. The person who lives by their fears will not find freedom in my love. Oh, I'm not talking about rational fears regarding legitimate dangers see fears, but imagined fears, those destructive fears, and especially the projection of those into the future. To the degree that those fears have a place in your life, listen to this, you neither believe that I am good, says God, nor know how deep in your heart that I love you, says God. You sing about it, you talk about it, but you don't know about it. For nothing else, that's a great quote. I, uh, I take these pills now. I, I've never taken pills in my whole life, but have a little macular degeneration. So the eye doctor said, you should take these pills. So they're the ugliest red pill. I can hardly swallow it. You know, you've got to do something with it, you know. Two times a day I take this pill, recommended to me. I don't like taking the pill. I don't know if the pill's going to do any good or not. But it's a crazy thing. I actually take these stupid pills that annoy me twice a day. 
I thought to myself, you know, if I just expressed my respect and awesome fear of the living God two times a day, it might go a long way in dispelling the destructive fear in my life. So I got a new system now. I take the pill, have a talk with God. I don't recommend taking the pills. But I recommend to talk with God. Do I really believe that God's grace and God's love is so deep and so strong for every one of us that he is going to take care of our fears and walk with us all the way through to eternity? Let's pray. Father, the decisions are up to us. The joy is our experience in you. Take these simple words of Jesus and remind us over and over. You are a God who cares and loves about us so very much. We throw ourselves at your feet. Teach us the wisdom that comes from you to walk through this world and through this life. Thank you for the blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.